0: Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe, and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter, and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. Welcome to this episode which is my 2019 year in review and I know that I love listening to these type of uh, episodes and content from other people so it was something that I wanted to record for you and it's kind of a little bit nerve-wracking because it's sharing what's going on in my business but I hope that it's of value to you and you take something out of it that might be helpful for your business too so let's get stuck in pretty much the major focus of this year for me has been my first online program. So to wind back the clock to really where it began, it was at the start of the year in 2018. I had this feeling in my gut that had been there for a while, that the way I was running my business and what we were offering, it just wasn't where I wanted to keep taking it. And Looking forward, for me, the business that I wanted to have and that really excited me was the ability to be able to work from home and to basically have something that was online and didn't require to be meeting with clients and delivering client projects. Also, the way that my business was set up, it it was basically like an agency model. And so for me to keep growing, it was ultimately a matter of me taking on more contractors and taking on more client projects and for me that just made me feel quite anxious and not excited at all so for other people that's like their goal that's their dream which is awesome but for me it just wasn't and so I thought right I already had about six months of work booked up for 2018 so I thought right after that I'm not going to take on any more jobs any more projects And I'm just going to see what happens. And so over those first few months of 2018, I just stayed open to what might be next for me. What might be something that just felt like a good fit? Because for a long time, I just felt like I was just not where I was meant to be and things weren't really in flow. And I also knew that for other businesses that I looked up to, they were basically an expert in one thing. And at the time my business was offering a range of different things. So websites, branding, copywriting, event marketing, you name it, and we were going really well. We had fantastic clients. But for me, again, I just knew what's one thing that I want to be known for and really become an expert in and be able to help people in. Because I really believe that when you work across those different disciplines or different areas of work like I was, it is pretty hard to be the expert in just in all of them, really. So that was pretty important to me. I was kind of like, what's my legacy here? What do I really want to be able to be the best at too? And so we got to about mid-year and it was around this point that I listened to a podcast episode. And this particular podcast episode was talking about how this lady in America had set up an online program and she was teaching social media marketing and she was sharing how it worked, how much she loved it, and what it was doing for her in terms of her business. And so I thought, you know what, this sounds perfect. This sounds like the Bit that I've kind of been looking for. And so I'm a pretty fast starter. So a couple of weeks later, I opened up the doors to the Modern Marketing Collective, with which was my first online program and the one that I've really been focusing on for the past just over a year now. And so I want you to know that when I launched the Modern Marketing Collective, I had 275 people on my email list. So I really didn't have much of an audience. I'd never run an online program before. I'd never had a funnel or run a webinar or anything like that. And so the past, I really see this year as being the one that I've really like, my head down and become a student it's funny just after i launched the modern marketing collective i remember saying to someone oh my gosh that was really fun what am i going to do now i'm going to launch a course and they were like oh emily maybe just focus on what you've created first just hold off creating something else now which i have to say was the best advice and i give that to anyone else too so a really big outcome then potentially a learning for you as well Was that I just focused almost a hundred percent this year on the Modern Marketing Collective, rather than adding all these different things or getting distracted by other things that I could be doing in my business. I got to really understand the ladies that are in there. So female entrepreneurs, a lot more, what their needs and wants are. I asked, I listened, and I really became quite obsessed with running this program and just constantly tweaking it, making it better, looking at how to keep our members and add new members too. I redid the content mid-year just to elevate that content a little bit more. I did a couple of small launches, but for me, a lot of it is being what is called an evergreen marketing system. And so that's seen us add, now we add a member a day or more, which is just amazing. And also if you're a bit of a stats person, we have a retention rate each month of about 97%, which means that 97% of the female entrepreneurs that are in my online program. It's a membership style model. So it's a monthly or annual payment. If they would like to stay on and keep learning and keep having access to the support and the mentoring, we have 97% of them each month choosing to stay on, which is amazing. We also delivered some live masterclasses with different guest experts. And I ran a few member events too, across Australia, which was lots of fun to meet some of the different ladies that I work with. But really like the key to the Modern Marketing Collective has been that focus. And that's something that I see a lot of people potentially struggling with a little bit is that they create one thing and then they go and create something else. And so they're kind of cannibalizing their efforts to actually meet that success with that first thing that they launch. And it's totally fine if it's not going to be the right fit for you. There's no point trying to push something that just doesn't feel right. But I really believe that success comes from that discipline and commitment and focus on being obsessed with what you have created there and basically just keeping going with it, testing and tweaking and trying until it does become that bread and butter in your business, which is what the collective has now. Become for my business, so that that's kind of what I really, really recommend is find that one thing that is basically gonna give you that income from your business. That's the bread and butter, and then what else you create is that bonus revenue for your business too when you can start testing different things. So that that's kind of a wrap up of launching and running my first online program for the year. Now, something related to that was that in 2019, I invested, and I always do every year, but I wanted to mention this, I invested in professional development. I took three major online programs, a couple from Aussies and one from an American. So I spent about $10,000 or a bit more on professional development. And so to some people, that's nothing to other people. That's a lot of money. And so I wanted to share really my approach to basically investing in professional development. And the way that I look at it now is that, will I be able to make that money back by investing in this online program, which is all my programs that I took this year were online. Will that investment basically help me make that money back and more? And if I believe that's the case, And if I feel that that's an area that I want to upskill in, that's when I'll decide to go ahead with it. And also something else that I encourage other people to think about too is not to view that as a cost in your business. That's a growth vehicle for you, investing in that learning. And like I said, instead of seeing it as a cost to your business, I'd love you to think about if you had to make that money, what would you do? So if you if you had to make that money to take that online program in the next 30 days, what would you do? And I think that would change a lot of things rather than thinking, oh, I can't afford that. It's actually, hey, let's challenge myself let's actually put out some different offers or go a little bit bolder or reach out to people or past clients and let's make that money. And so it's really a matter of backing yourself and your business. And I like to also invest in people that are really the best in their area too. And apart from the trainings, I really take a lot of value from just observing how they show up at that level in business. How do they show up and deliver? And that's what I've absolutely loved just kind of learning about this year too. So that's professional development. Now, I also ran my first retreat this year and I want to share kind of a weird thing with you. So I was going to charge $500 $500 for my retreat. And it's interesting because I had kind of taken on board this belief from other people. I kept having people say to me or people say, oh yeah, there's no money in events. You never make any money. You just cover your costs. And so I was just going to put on this retreat which would barely cover my costs. I put up my spreadsheet. I'm a big spreadsheet person. I did my line items in terms of expenses. I cut it all back. I, what did I do? I had, um, okay, if I bought like three boxes of cereal and two bottles of milk, that's how much breakfast would cost. And keeping it really low expenses for me, I would basically not make any money from it and probably be out of pocket. So that was really silly. Anyway, I had a chat to a few of my different business friends and a couple of them in particular were like, Emily, what are you doing? They were like, right, how much profit does that give you? And I'm like, oh, no, none. Like I'll probably be out of pocket a little bit. And they were like, Emily, what are you doing? It was actually very, very helpful, that conversation. They said, you know, people are paying to be there and learn from you that's worth a lot. And also the more that you charge, like in a generalization, the more incredible of an experience that you can put onto, and then you can pay for these different things. And so that was actually quite a big deal for me to charge. I charged a couple of thousand dollars and it really was the biggest amount that I've asked for in terms of an event. So for me, that was quite a big thing. And I was on such a high having people, I had amazing women book in. And now for next year, I've already got three times the number of people on the wait list to basically be able to run another event another retreat which is really really cool so that was kind of a bit of a lesson in pricing for me too and looking at okay clearly I have some stuff going on in my brain around pricing and money which I need to um, move past with the retreat I delivered all new content and I knew that I would leave the retreat knowing whether it was something that I wanted to do again or not like I could have easily been like that was okay but I didn't really love running it but oh Oh my gosh, I absolutely loved it. I'm actually looking right now, I've pinned up a photo of the group on my um, pin board, so I'm looking at them now. Yeah, it was amazing. The women that were there, what we covered. And I think that sense for them, in terms of it was a fair bit of a challenge in terms of what I asked them to look at in their business. but. From the feedback from each of them, it was quite transformational for them, which was incredible. And for me personally, it was so fulfilling. So anyway, that's a bit of a wrap up of the retreat. Now, of course, I also launched this podcast. A big takeaway from the podcast was around the idea that someone would come and ask me to run a podcast or someone would say, hey, you should really have a podcast, like go and do it now. What I want to share with you is the idea of not waiting for permission because that's not going to happen. And yes, I had a few people saying, hey, I think, you know, that would be awesome if you had a podcast. But really, it was about me saying this is something that I want to create. And now step by step, let's actually put the plan in place to create this, even though I felt a bit like, oh, God, am I really going to like put myself out there like that? It could easily be a total flop. And no one really listens to it. And also another thing around this I wanted to share was from day one, I decided not to edit the podcast myself. Brianna will be listening to this. She's my podcast manager and editor from Bambi Media. She's amazing. I have a few other friends that are now working with her. And I knew it was just going to be silly if I tried to actually edit the podcast and manage all that myself. That's not the best use of my time in my business. There's other people that are going to be way quicker, have way more idea what they're doing. And so that's something that I invested in straight up to Have someone manage that for me. Now, in terms of the podcast, would I recommend it for other people? It is a lot of work for me. I've found it quite a lot of work. If I wanted to cut my workload, (laughs) the podcast would be an easy way to do that. But it pays off a hundred times over from the level of connection that I have with you guys that are listening. It's just amazing. And the impact on my business growth, too, plus that connection with people that I interview and have since been asked to be on other podcasts and more speaking opportunities and all that type of thing. So it's been totally worth it in my business. And like many things, I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? But anyway, so that's a bit of a wrap on the podcast too. It was really exciting. I actually, like I said, I didn't really know if anyone would listen. And so to have it reach the chart, so in the Apple podcast, new and Noteworthy section featured in new marketing podcasts. It was quite amazing. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I think as well, if you never put anything out there, you never know what's going to resonate. And now I'm just still learning and trying different types of content too to see what you love and kind of getting into my groove a bit too of recording different episodes. And people sometimes say, oh, how many takes does it take you? So this one, I haven't stopped yet in this episode and I'm going to try keep going all the way to the end in one go. So it really does save time doing that too. So I'm trying to get a little bit more One take with it all, which is good. Okay, next up is speaking. So the biggest speaking event that I was paid to speak at this year, I put myself forward for. And so it's again that theme for me in terms of stop waiting and actually like be a bit bolder and chase what you want. Get clear on what it is that you want. And then start asking for it or creating it for yourself. And also this year, I showed up in my Instagram stories, which I, I typically do, but still, it just makes such an impact because people then see me speaking and then ask me to run guest expert trainings for them. When I meet people, it's quite funny. They're like, oh, I watch your stories. It's like great to meet you. And that sense of connection and know, like, and trust and and the fact that they feel as though they know me just kind of accelerates that I really see it as like that customer journey in my business it really accelerates that because they they feel like they know me and I learn what resonates too by doing Instagram stories and also speaking at the start of the year I did one of my first speaking gigs and I was so nervous so nervous but over time doing them this year I have felt more confident and I've loved running some guest expert trainings in different people's programs that's been really really fun and kind of again just getting into my groove practicing seeing what resonates and just continuously doing it connections this would have to be one of the highlights of my year is the different female entrepreneurs that I've connected with yeah it's just been amazing and I think you can all probably resonate when you when you have those friends in business I guess the way I see it they're like hungry they're hungry like me we're like what can we create what can we do thinking bigger, challenging ourselves. And they've all shown me just what they are able to create. It kind of pushes me forward too. So that's absolutely been one of the best things. I've met them through my podcast, just simply kind of connecting on Instagram too and through different people as well. So yeah, a few different ways that I've met them but definitely been a highlight of my year because back in the day, you know, it gets super lonely and you can feel very alone. And I feel like this year, I've really kind of established a bit of a friendship network. So if you're looking for one, go and ask people out for coffee on Instagram that you feel like you you're like-minded with or go to some events or go work in a co-working space. Cause going to events, I've met some great people. And then also co-working spaces is a fantastic way to meet other people too, in my experience. All right. Getting towards the end here, I will keep on moving. So team, I went last year from two designers who were delivering my client projects two, let me give you a bit of an overview. One of the first things I did this year was hire a bookkeeper and she reconciles all my transactions. So I have a lot of transactions in my zero. So basically I actually moved to ING, which is a good move. And they reimburse all your international transaction fees, which I have a lot of because I have a lot of subscriptions to American software programs, basically. So it's like, you know, this is just ridiculous. Me reconciling, like $2.50 transactions here, taking me hours. So let's outsource that. So I went ahead and did that. I also hired a virtual assistant. So again, with my podcast and also my email marketing, that's helped free up my time rather than me trying to do all of that. So I actually have a great system, which I think I'll share in a future episode to keep this one nice and a little bit more bitey, just in terms of my system in recording the podcast and the different people that take on different areas of that. But the virtual assistant, she takes my show notes and she publishes it across my email marketing, my Facebook and my blog too, and embeds the audio. So she does a fair bit and she is awesome. And I was telling the ladies on my retreat that They all need to get a virtual assistant, but they're not allowed to have mine. (laughs) We don't want her too busy. Next up, podcast manager who I mentioned, Brianna from Bambi Media. She edits the episodes, uploads to platforms, and provides that embedding code to my virtual assistant to then embed in my website. I have a Pinterest manager. They pin images from my website to my Pinterest to help maintain my ranking on there. And they have basically what I ask them to get me each month in terms of monthly views, that's basically their KPI in terms of what I expect from them. So again, just saves me that time with having someone else manage that. And I also hired a personal assistant who helps with my membership support and admin. Again, I was just like, this is getting quite a lot to manage, just some of the emails and the repetitive tasks. So if you can't automate any of them, then I knew I needed to have someone else that could do those tasks that I really didn't need to be doing. And it didn't add any more value to my business with me doing them. So that's something else. She manages an inbox, manages Facebook requests, subscriptions, payments, and all that type of thing. So as you can see, I did expand the team this year. They are all contractors, project-based or hourly-based. So I don't have hired staff as such. And it might sound like that would be quite a lot per month, but it's really not. And the amount of time, oh my gosh, that that saves me. I'm now the biggest advocate. I'm like, right, what else can I outsource? What else can I outsource? Because it allows you, I believe, to move faster in your business and to focus on the stuff that really, really matters that only you can do. Now, in the personal life, I wanted to share a couple of things that I also did, which are kind of related to the business too. So I actually hired a stylist. I just had a session with them in January and I was sick of feeling very daggy I just felt like oh everyone looks so stylish and I'm doing some of this speaking and presenting and I just want to feel a bit more confident in what I'm wearing and so I just did a shopping session with them she was awesome she helped me well she actually introduced me to all these different brands I'd never heard of helped me understand some good cuts to wear for my shape I'm super short so that can be a challenge and she put Me into jumpsuits, and you've probably seen me in jumpsuits now. They're like my go to thing. I love them. She put me in wide leg pants, which I always thought I'm way too short to try and wear them, and they're really fun, and just some other things. And it kind of is a business lesson, too, in terms of hiring people that are experts. To help make up in areas that perhaps you're you're just it's not what you do, so that was cool. It wasn't it was three hundred dollars through I think it was like a three hour half day or so shopping session, and she we did just put lots of clothes on hold at different places, and then after she left, I basically spent just the rest of the day figuring out okay what do I want and mixing and matching, and um, I also see that as being a time saver because otherwise I would just go to the shops and be like right what have we got. And waste time and come home with nothing, or just buy something because I'm like I can't buy nothing from this shopping trip. So anyway, that was pretty cool, and um, and now I'm really about buying less, but buying things that I wear over and over again. We also hired a cleaner, so she comes twice a month for. Or does she come through uh, two hours each time? So four hours a month, not that much, but she does what I call like the deep clean of the kitchen and the bathroom, the mopping, the floors, the windows. And so for me, again, it was like, I could spend that time doing that cleaning, but if I spent those four hours a month actually working on my business and making sales and marketing, that would be better. And that's what I really wanted to do anyway. So for $35 an hour, twice a month at two hours each, not a huge investment, And I sit down there when she's here, I literally sit and I, the time flies so much because I'm working so, so like focused on the business. So I see that as an easy yes, to be able to free up that little bit of time each month and to be able to spend that extra time actually doing really important things in my business too. And another thing with that as well, in terms of a lot of people say, oh, when my business gets to that stage, then I'll hire a cleaner or there's a bit of a feeling around, I can't do that. That. What's that saying about me? Which I totally feel. I don't have kids. We don't have a big house. Like some people are going to judge this. But for me, it just makes sense. It makes both Coden and I happier because we don't have to spend weekends cleaning. And that's been a little bit of a win. And for many things as well with my team that I've hired, start small and then you can work your way up from there too. I also joined F45 and I could not imagine paying that much for a gym membership it's something like 55 a week. And I was just like, that is ridiculous because I was paying like $30 a month at my old gym. But I love it. I feel strong and healthy. It's like a five-minute walk from where we live rather than getting in the car. That was kind of something that I've said, you know, that's an investment in me feeling strong and healthy. And I just wanted to share that because I think that we can kind of put off doing things for our own well-being but for me it really has been a great like positive in my in my year this year to feel strong and healthy and to be exercising regularly too. I ate a bit healthier. I have a green juice every morning because I wasn't that good at eating vegetables. So that's been good. Coden and I, I just feel like it's been a fun year. We are good. But I want to share some of the areas for improvement now on the year that's been. So for me, I would have liked to do just less kind of mulling over and thinking and a bit more action taking and doing. I just know that I can kind of get into my head and just kind of start like do a lot of the thinking and the planning, which is really, really good. But I want to make sure that I'm taking action and doing as much as I am or even more than I am thinking for next year. And that goes as well with less tweaking. As well, and just more like, right, that's good, let's move on to the next thing, too. So, a bit of that perfectionism, but also getting stuck on kind of just, I don't know, doing some of those tasks that don't really need to be done rather than doing the bigger stuff. So, that's a couple of areas I want to improve. Also, Goal shifting, so shifting the goal posts. So I set my initial goals in Jan 2020, and when I look back, I've achieved quite a few of them, but the thing is, I don't really feel fulfilled because I kept increasing my goals in terms of what I expected myself to achieve. And so that's something that I want to try and not do too much next year. I actually want to like make a document that I can't go back in and edit so I can actually reflect on my on my goals and how I'm going rather than keep increasing them as I start hitting some of them too, because I think it's important to actually Kind of know where we where we started at the start of the year, and then see how far we've come. Rather than what we can do, It's like right, I've achieved that. What's next? Let's keep adding to it. We didn't really have a whole lot of switch off time this year, which is definitely not a good idea. So that's something I want to work on next year too. And part of that comes to having a hobby or reading some fiction books. I know that that's actually really really good for me to be able to switch off to. So that's kind of a bit of an area overall. This year, it's been my biggest income year, which is really cool. But more importantly than that, I've, I've like had the most fun and it's just I've, I feel like what I've been creating and delivering has been the right fit for me, which is something for the first few years of my business. I just had that sense of anxiety and just like what am I meant to be doing that I couldn't shake and so for me I've got through the year this was one of my biggest wins I got through the year without having really big instances of of anxiety and I got through the year of feeling like on purpose and excited by what I was creating too and of course there's been times that have been challenging and all of that but it's been overall a year that I feel really proud of, and I'm excited for what lies ahead in 2020. So, I hope that that was kind of interesting, and maybe there are a couple of things that you can take away from there too. Send me a message on Instagram at Emily Osmond. Let me know that you listened and um, what might have resonated and what's ahead for you in terms of next year. So, that is it from me. I hope you have a wonderful break, and I will speak with you soon.